Next session, and how I pray that it will be a blessing to us. As Pastor Elliot Chok expounds on God's decree or sovereignty rather in suffering. Wakati ndugu yetu Eli achoka napoelezea juu ya tangazo la Mungu la enzi katika mateso ya mwanadamu. Brother, welcome back. Thank you so much. Asante ndugu karibu. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Now, um, it is a good thing to have had a good lunch, I hope. And usually after lunch is very difficult to preach. Because the metabolic process are going on and um, yeah, you feeling you need to close your eyes and intercede for the preacher. So if you have to pray for me I would plead that you pray for me with your eyes open please. Um, um, now the subject that we are coming to is a, a very important one but a very difficult one. Ile fundisho ambayo tunaelekea kwalo ni kwamba ni la muhimu sana lakini ngumu pia. Um, I think it is very difficult to deal with the sovereignty of God in suffering because at this point in time we are making a very bold uh, statement that God is involved in, in suffering. And that, my dear brothers and sisters, is very difficult to hear. Now I want to again uh, declare the structure and then uh, I'll proceed with uh, making the comments that I've got to make now. Um, I will begin by making some preliminary comments as I've begun. Thank you, brother. Santa Santa. Which one is it? <laughs> Jeff, what's up? <laughs> well, it will come. What's up? Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere along the way. Aitakuja mahali. So I will begin by making some preliminary comments. And then uh, in the second place I will examine with you some biblical examples of suffering in relation to God's sovereignty. And uh, in the third place I'm going to try and um, deal with God's actual purposes in the suffering of his people. And then in the fourth place I'm going to help us to work through how we should think and respond to suffering. So once again, preliminary comments. I'm going to look at four examples of biblical suffering. And then thirdly, we're going to look at God's purposes in the suffering of his people. And in the fourth place, we're going to deal with how then should we think and respond to God, particularly in Suffering. Now one more time, let me just say how difficult this is. Uh, and it is difficult because we're dealing with uh, not a theoretical issue, we're dealing with a practical life issue. Now, 
I mean we see so much suffering in the world today. Tunaona so mateso mengi sana katika ulimwengu wakati huu. I was in Uganda I think a week and a half two weeks ago. Nimekuwa Uganda wiki mbili zilizopita. And in one of the churches where uh, we were I was invited to sort of console really not console but to encourage a family that has had a difficult uh, providence uh, uh, with one of their children. Na ilikuwa kwamba mmoja wao makanisa ambayo tulikuemo ilipatwa nafasi ya kwenda kutia moyo wale familia moja ambayo ilikuwa na ugumu sana katika upeanaji ama majaliwa ya Mungu katika watoto wao ama mtoto wao. I mean you have uh, a child whose flesh is rotting as a child lives. Kuna mtoto ambaye nyama yake inaoza wakati bado wako hai. The flesh falls off from the bones and bones are exposed and she's alive. Nyama inaungwa kutoka kwa mifupa na bado wako hai. And my heart went out to the family because uh, how do they deal with that? Na moyo wangu kachukamana sana hao kwa sababu wanahusika nayo namna. Where is God in this thing? How would God allow us to experience this and really this is a child that I think 11 year old child really. Mungu anaruhusuje tuhusike na hii na huyu ni mtoto wa miaka 11 tu. So we wrestle with that. Kwa hivyo tuangangana na hiyo. I think three years ago I was in northern Uganda at the border of South Sudan. And again here I saw such suffering as would wrench your heart out of your rib cages. I met a brother called John I'll never forget him. Uh, some of you would be aware of what was going on in northern Uganda uh, with the Lord's resistance army of Joseph Kony. These brothers nose was chopped off. I mean there's no nose there. There is no this flesh that covers the mouth all his teeth are exposed No ears and then there is no this part of the hands And this person has to live through life There is suffering in the world I've been to DRC Congo and the first time I was in DRC Nimekuwa Congo na mara ya kwanza nilipokuwa Congo I was brought to a village to preach to about 200 women. Niletwa kwa kijiji ambaye alikuwa anahudhuria wamama karibu watu 200. And I'd just been told of the stories of the horrors of what happens to these women in DRC. Alikuwa anamwambia mambo makubwa yanayojaribu yaliyotendeka kwa hao watu katika mji wa Kongo. And when they heard I was coming the jeep that brought me over as soon as it was parked the women came out with you know the way the Africans do it with the dance and celebration and i could see some of them had no eyes some of them had no hands some of them were limping on one foot i couldn't preach in fact i cried throughout the sermon because i couldn't preach there is suffering in this world Talking to a lady uh, a year and a half ago perhaps two who lives with HIV AIDS because her husband brought HIV AIDS home she's asking herself god i am a christian how would you allow the mistake of my husband uh, to be something i pay for ambaye anaishi na ukimwi kwa nyumba yake na anajiuliza swali mungu mimi ni mkristo mume wangu ni amelete ugonjwa kwa nini uruhusu nikaishi na ugonjwa ambayo mimi mwenyewe sikutafuta na mimi nimeokoka so we dealing with a very practical very very serious issue at this moment in time tunahusika na mambo ambayo ni yanaonekana na ni ya muhimu sana katika wakati huu. And I would pray that we are not casual about it. Na ningechukua kwamba tusiyajukulie tu juu And I hope that as I speak about this and emphasize on the sovereignty of God that I do not make light of the pain that people go through. That's important. Na naomba kwamba ninapoongea maneno haya nisichukulie tu mzaa pia ile uchungu na uzito watu wanaopitia ndani katika mateso yao. Because there is suffering. Kwa hivyo kuna mateso and good people suffer if they are good people and bad people suffer na watu wazuri wanaumia kama wako watu wazuri na watu wabaya pia wanaumia young children suffer old people suffer watoto kwa wakubwa wote wanataabika 
People in the church suffer. Watu ndani ya kanisa wanaumia. People outside of the church suffer. Watu nje ya kanisa wanaumia. It is important to speak about this because secondly there is a, a theology that has developed within the fabric of the body of Christ in general worldwide actually. Ninapoongea haya na nataka utazame kwamba kunalo fundisho ambalo limetokezea katika hali ya kanisa la Kristo that has developed what I would describe as an antipathy to suffering and discomfort ambayo imetokezea naweza kuelezea ni kama ni kitu cha kufunika ila hali ya mateso wakati mtu ambaye tutateka na inafunika kidogo in fact one clever wit said our theology today can be described as a theology of comfort au wengine wanasema kwamba theology yetu wakati huu inaelezewa kama theology ya kufariji tu We go to church to be taught how to escape problems. Tunaenda kanisani kufundishwa jinsi utakavyoepa shida. so you have seven keys to financial breakthrough for example. Kwa hivyo uko na fungo saba za kufanikiwa katika hali yako ya kifedha. You have messages like your best life now. Ah maisha yako mazuri leo hiyo ni ujumbe kwa nao sasa hizi kwa makanisa. Because we have this strong antipathy to suffering and discomfort kwa sababu kuna hii uzito wa mtu kuanza kujifanya kwamba hakuna mateso na wanataka tu watu wae katika hali iliyo nzuri. Well, let me raise you higher. Just that kind of reflection. It is bad enough for today's church folk to tell them that suffering is part of life and that it is inevitable. It is bad enough to tell them that ani mbaya ya kutosha kuambia watu kwamba mateso ni sehemu ya maisha na pia iko but it is horrendous in the hearing of many to tell them that suffering can actually be a gift from god na pia nayo ni mbaya sana ama ni ya kutija sana kuambia mtu kwamba hii mateso ya ni sehemu ya kipawa kutokacho kwa Mungu. That a good God could actually give you a good gift and that good gift could bear the name suffering. Kwamba Mungu mzuri anaweza kupatia kipawa kizuri na kile kipawa kizuri kitakuwa na jina mateso. I had John Piper write a book and he said don't waste your cancer. Ah uh, alisikia John Piper akiandika <laughs> kitabu anasema kwamba usipoteze saratani yako. You cancer don't waste it. That's God's gift to you. Ukona, ukona saratani usipoteze. We struggle in our minds. Twangangana katika akili zetu to think how can I think of death? Je, naweza fikiriaje juu ya kifo? Disease, magonjwa, poverty, au umaskini? Um bereavement um betrayal how can i think of these things as god's gift to me ninaezaje kufikiria juu ya hizi vitu ambazo ni nzito kwangu iwe ni kipawa cha kwangu people people listen um how could i talk to this family in uganda and tell them this also has been allowed by god and somehow somewhere in there there is some good ah uh, nitaezaje kuongea na hao watu huko yugani waambie kwamba hii mtoto wenu kuanguka nyama na mifupa ibaki imewekwa na Mungu na imeletwa na Mungu na Mungu ako na mipango mizuri kwetu nitaezaje hiyo so there are two things that we struggle with and i would urge you to write them down think about them when you're gone one we struggle with the theology of suffering Uh, kuna vitu viwili ambavyo tunangana nazo ningependa uziandike chini tunapoendelea ya kwanza tunangangana na fundisho la, la kuteseka What does the Bible say about suffering? Je, Biblia inaongea nini juu ya mateso? We struggle with that. Tunangangana na hiyo. And I think one of the things that we've got to get fixed is that theology, that mindset na kile kitu cha kwanza ambacho tutaka akili zetu zikabali kushika ni hiyo fundisho hilo. So hopefully today we're going to try and fix the theology. Na kwa hivyo leo tunaenda kujaribu tufikishe mahali hilo fundisho lieleweke. But the second place where we struggle with suffering is in uh, dealing with it at an experimental level 
let me use another word at an experiential level in our everyday life in fact i think there are people who might understand the theology of suffering and they may intellectually and mentally embrace it and affirm it as true because they see it in the bible but it is one thing to mentally and intellectually appreciate something and to actually live it out in your life. I imagine that a job's wife was with Job in his theology and his life. This is a man of God that trained his family in the ways of the Lord. She was there. The theology may have been Okay. But when the daughters died, and the sons died, and the camel went, the cattle went, and eventually a disease struck him. So that he was not just financially poor, but he was health-wise poor as well. The theology of the wife and the friends was tested. The wife said, This is too much. Curse God and die. And Job says, You've spoken like one of the foolish women. Spoken like one of the foolish women. So we struggle at the theological level, but we also struggle at the practical level. But I think we struggle at a third level too. And this is uh, what I am loosely describing as the spirit of the age. The spirit of our times is one that is antithetical, is inimical to any discomfort. We like pleasure and leisure and a good time and we interpret blessing in that way. We want easy things. Shortcuts. Less investment, maximum profit. Instant coffee generation kind of. Work smart, don't work hard. <laughs> work smart, don't work hard. These are statements we've come to uh, employ time and again. So the pressures around us is a materialistic um, Culture, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Your success is defined by how much you have. Your relationship with God is evaluated on the basis of so-called blessing. That old Baptist preacher C.S. Spurgeon talked of the covenant of adversity. The covenant of adversity. And he said the Old Testament was pretty much the covenant of prosperity. Well, there's much to be said in the way of qualifying that statement. But let us stand the way it is. But in the New Testament, we have essentially a covenant of adversity. So 
So God calls us. Kwa hivyo Mungu anatuita to number one in this conference now in this session katika mkongamano hili wakati huu ya kwanza ni kwamba to examine number one tuangalie ya kwanza and i'm only repeating what i've said na narudia yale ambayo nimesema to examine our theology kuangalia fundisho letu as it relates to suffering jinsi inavyoshirikiana na mateso secondly la pili god calls us mungu anatuita to examine our providential circumstances kuangalia hakli zetu za majaliwa in the light of his sovereignty katika mtazamo wa uenzi wake thirdly lakini atatu god is calling us in this session in munga, this conference mungu anatuita katika nyakati hii na katika kongamano hili to examine our response to the culture around us with regard to suffering kuangalia na kutazama jinsi tunavyoitikia itikati zilizo karibu nasi katika wakati wa mateso did you follow what i'm saying Now we have examples in the Bible. And these are examples that leave no doubt whatsoever. That by reason of his sovereignty over all things, including suffering as well. God not only allows Mungu haruhusu tu but he also gets involved in the suffering of his people lakini pia anahusika katika mateso ya watu wake with a view to bringing good out of their suffering kwa mtazamo wa kuleta ama kutoa mema ndani ya mateso i'm going to say that again nitaenda kusema tena We will see out of these examples that not only does God allow suffering as if he's a, an, a passive kind of participant but that in fact he is actively involved with that suffering lakini katika hali ya utayari na utendaji anahusika katika mateso to direct it towards his great purposes kuyaelekeza kuelekea katika maksudi yake makuu and the result of my presentation this afternoon should be this na matokeo ya mambo yangu utakayoongea mchana huu ni hii that you should rejoice if you go through what you're going through kwamba ni ufurahie wakati unapopitia kwa yale unayopitia ndani it is very important ni muhimu sana so i'll take two examples out of the old testament nitachukua mifano miwili katika agano la kale and i'll take two examples out of the new testament nitachukua mifano miwili katika agano jipya because some preachers have told that suffering is an old testament issue kwa sababu wahubiri wengine wametuambia kwamba mateso ni mambo ya agano la kale with the new testament revelation we ought not to accept suffering na kwa ufunuo wa agano la jipya hatuhitaji kukubali mateso so we're going to take two examples out of the old testament kwa hivyo naenda kuchukua mifano miwili katika agano jipya And two examples out of the new testament and i want your eyes to be on the ball i want your eyes on the ball what is the ball here god is involved in these things very important now so the first one is joseph And you read his story in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. Na unachosoma hii hadithi katika kitabu cha mwanzo from chapter 37 kuanzia mlango wa 37 and you could argue that story extends to the very last chapter chapter 50 na ongeenda na hiyo mlango yote mpaka mlango wa 50 most of us will be familiar from our sunday school with the story of joseph na wengi wetu tunajua hii mambo kwa sababu ya sunday school tumefunikwa juu ya hadithi ya yusufu horrible things happen in the life of joseph mambo mabaya yalitendeka katika maisha ya yusufu great suffering comes out of the life of joseph mateso makubwa yana Now concerning Joseph, na kuhusika na Josephu, and you know the story so I'm just making commentary on that story. Na hadithi sasa naelezea tu maelezo juu ya hii hadithi. I want you to observe number one. Nataka uangalie ya kwanza the immensity of the suffering of Joseph. Uzito wa mateso ya Yusufu. The extremity of the suffering of Joseph. Undani na uzito wa mateso ya Yusufu. 
Yes, a boy was at a dream. Huyo ni kijana ambaye alikuwa ndani ya ndoto. And then his dream he seems to be flourishing succeeding under the sovereign uh, design of God. Na katika mambo yake alikuwa anaendelea katika kuenda mbele katika mpangilio wa uenzi wa Bwana. His father loves him very much. Na baba yake akampenda sana. Makes him a coat of many colors as you know. Na akampendengenezea koti la la kala mingi, sura mingi kabisa. And now we are told in the scripture that his brothers hated him for the favor of God that was on him and the love of his father that was on him So his brothers begin to have negative feelings against him One day when they are out there they think we are going to kill this guy We will not let him live His own brothers flesh and blood are say to people It is easy to take mistreatment and betrayal from people not related to you but from people close to you that hurts the most. So, consider the emotional trauma that Joseph goes through. His own brothers turn against him. They injure him, throw him in a pit. Leave him there to die. What is Joseph thinking about? These are my flesh and blood. Sons of my father that have risen against me to do this to me. Well, well, the brothers think, ah, we cannot leave him there because the Ishmaelites are coming through. He's injured, he's bleeding, but we're going to retrieve him. And we're going to make merchandise out of him. We're going to sell him for profit. And so they take Joseph out of the pit. And they sell him for money. As a slave. To go under shackle and the whip. Beaten like an animal. Treated as one without his own mind. Uh, you know that is what a slave is. Joseph goes through this thing. Who has caused this thing? His own flesh and blood. Probably is asking where is God in all these things? The Ishmaelites sell him to Potiphar. Again as a slave boy in the house of that official. You know what happens in that house? He is accused of wanting to rape the lady of the house. False accusation. He is taken to prison. Where is God? What good can come out of this? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we all know the end of the story, don't we? That from the prison, God causes him to interpret a dream, which then lifts him from that uh, prison house and takes him to the king's palace. And eventually, Joseph becomes the prime minister of Egypt, which really was the America of the day, the superpower of the world. So eventually, something good has come out of this thing. So in the second place, consider the good that comes out of his suffering. Firstly, his own lot is improved. 
God blesses him personally. He's in a far better place than he could have imagined. But also, the whole nation of Israel and the world, to be honest, is saved from famine because of that which Joseph went through. Now we know that all things work together for good to those who love God even them that are called according to his purpose. Thirdly, consider Joseph's response to his brothers when they finally meet. It is in Genesis chapter 50 verse 19 to 20. No, chapter 50 verse 19 to 20. When they finally come to meet him, he's a big man now. God has blessed him. Good has come out of this suffering. When they finally meet with Joseph, they are afraid for their lives. Because they think this man will pay us back the evil we did to him. Joseph says, you meant it for evil. When you hated me, you meant it for evil. When you are envious of me, you meant it for evil. When you injured me and threw me in a pit, you meant it for evil. When you took me out and sold me as a slave, you meant it for evil. But Joseph says, God meant it for good. So there it is. In the actions of man. In the events of life. In the bad things that happen to us. In the suffering that we go through. In the heartache we go through. In bereavement and in death. In sickness and in suffering. There is a secret counsel being worked out. There is a secret hand that works all things. God is involved. It was no accident that Joseph went through what Joseph went through. That's example number one. Example number two. We've got Job. Another very familiar story. Now again, when you're reading Job, it's interesting that uh, the very first verses because we are told that God from verse 4, I believe, of chapter 1 gives a testimony in the life of Job. To the best of my knowledge, God only gives such a testimony on three people, two others actually, other than Job. Other than Job, we have David, a man after God's own heart, by God's own testimony. And then we have the Lord Jesus Christ. Job is one of those three. God gives a glowing testimony about it. So why, why do these things happen to Job if God loves him and God thinks he's a good man? So one more time, consider the immensity of the suffering of Job. You find this in chapter 1 verse 13. 
all the way to verse 19 the immensity of his suffering is recorded there also in chapter 2 from verse 1 going forward job chapter 1 verse 13 to 19 and then job chapter 2 from verse 1 this man loses 10 children huyu jamaa anapoteza watoto 10 i have lost a child two actually in my life it's the most horrendous thing i spoke i spoke to a lady i think um, this must be a week and a half maybe two no maybe a week because i was already back in the country She lost a child many years ago. Alipoteza mtoto wake miaka mingi iliyopita. But every time that month and that date comes. Lakini kila wakati mwezi huo na tarehe hiyo inapofika. She relieves that experience. Anakumbuka na kuanza kujihisi ndani ya She becomes numb. She cannot operate. She cannot function. Hawezi kufanya chochote anabaki kuanza. It's a big thing to lose a child. Kitu kikubwa sana kumpoteza mtoto. It's a horrendous thing. Ni baya sana. Job doesn't lose one. Ayubu apotezi moja. Si mbili. Ten. Kumi. You know the richest man in the far east according to the estimation of many rich man the wealth doesn't go slowly no it doesn't it goes thousands of camel sheep oxen It's terrible what is going through so he has lost part of his family the children are gone all his wealth is gone and in this country we say health is wealth <laughs> Afya ni mali. Afya ni mali. And we say even if you lose your wealth if, if you're still healthy you can make some more. Hadukipoteza mali yako na bado uko na afya utapata nyingine. Well even the health of job goes. Na hata pia afya ya Yubu inaenda. He struggles. Anangangana sasa. We are told he's crutching himself. Sasema sasa anajikwarusa. Day and night. Usiku na mchana. A man who had company of uh, distinguished people now has the company of flies. Aliye katikati ya aliyekuwa katikati ya watu wa heshima sasa wanaomhusika na yeye ni You know you sometimes say you've suffered and people sometimes commit suicide just because they've experienced a rejection. I'm not, I'm not minimizing it, but look at Job. Look at Job. Kuna wakati mtu mwingine anaweza pitia tu kama tezo kidogo na anaweza kujiua. Lakini si chokii sisemi kwamba ni kabla lakini angalia What greater suffering could a man endure? How more extreme could suffering be? And remember he's a good man. He sacrifices. He prays to God. Secondly consider the authorization of his predicament. No, the authorization where that authority comes Angalia from. The permission. Wapi, hiyo, Who gave the permission? Hiyo, you find that in chapter 1 verse 9 to 12. Wa wa you also find that in chapter 2 verse 4 to verse 6. We are told there's something going on in heaven. When the sons of God, the angels are presented themselves before God. Satan was also present. And the Lord asked Satan, "Have you seen my servant Job?" And then God, if we may say it reverently, God boasts to Satan, "He is my servant. He does well." And God challenges uh, sorry certain challenges God. He says the only reason he is a good man, he worships you, he loves you, he keeps by you is you've given him so many things. Look he has children, he has property, he has everything in his why not? Anaambia kwamba sababu hiyo anakuogopa na kufanya mambo mazuri kwamba umempatia kila kitu angalia watoto wake angalia mali yake ngombe yake na kila kitu kwa nini asikushiishi 
And God says to Satan. Go take those things. Didn't I tell you God governs even Satan himself? Satan could do nothing which God had not authorized him to do. Be careful when you get into this uh, binding and losing and rebuking. Because you might be binding and losing that which God has authorized for your good. <laughs> Sickness is not my portion. I'm a child of God. Well, because you are his child, he has given you that gift. See, we have to fix the theology. Swapped is faulty. Go take that which you can take. Mungu. Go take that which you can take. Mungu anachukua kila ambacho No, no, he tells Satan, go and take that which you can take. That's what I wanted. And so the children begin to die. So let me ask you. Who is responsible here? Thank you. Asante. Ultimately. It's like um, we are building now, at least we are starting to build in Mumias. And we'll be putting uh, fundis to build. Well, at the end of the day, when the building is done, <laughs> will you say, oh, look, the fundis have built this? No, you will say the gospel missions agencies have built this. Because we gave the authority. You understand what I'm saying? The situation that Job is in is one that God has authorized. And in chapter 2, after all these things are done, the devil being so foolish goes back to God and say, well, he's still holding faith. <laughs> but that's because he has his health, you see. You know, he has his health. So take that health and let's see. But God is, and this is, this is what gets to me now. God is so confident about his servant. He tells Satan, go do your worst. Do what you can. But never touch his soul. You see, he's under direction. Satan is under control of God. He will only do that which God allows him to do. And later we will see that when God allows you to go through these things, He is proving your faith. Establishing your faith. As gold is purified by fire. So also genuine faith is tested in afflictions and trials. In third place, consider Job's response to his suffering. Consider Job's response to this suffering. You find it in chapter 1 and verse 21. The Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, that's the Christian response. Ultimately, I know the devil is only an agent. My life and times are in the hands of God. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. 
In chapter 2 verse 9 to 10 Another response From Job In all these things Job did not sin with his mouth Did he pull his hair? Yes of course he did Did he feel pain? Of course he did Did he have his moments when he doubted whether God was good to him? Yes, he did. Did he have times when he almost threw up his hands in the air and said, Oh, it's enough? Of course. Even the Lord Jesus Christ had those moments. Said in John's Gospel, chapter 12, I believe in verse 27, says, Now is my soul sorrowful even unto death. What shall I say, Father? Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. We go through those moments where you feel like giving up. Where you are overwhelmed. But there is this anchor that holds steady and holds sure. That ultimately is not in the hands of Satan. Ultimately is in the hands of God. It's an anchor that steadies you. So you can rejoice in suffering, you see. I like what somebody else said. Last night I was listening to someone who was speaking about this. And this brother said, if God is only sovereign some of the time, <laughs> then we can only rejoice some of the time. But if God is sovereign all the time, then we can rejoice all the time even in suffering in the new testament you got the supreme example the lord jesus christ himself he doesn't get higher than this God in human flesh. Emmanuel, God together with us. The miracle worker. The one who walked on water. The one who defied the laws of gravity and went up in a cloud. Jesus suffered. And we cannot even begin to think about the suffering of Christ. Our minds cannot fathom it. Isaiah tries to capture this in chapter 53 from verse 1. Who has believed our report? Unto whom is the hand of the Lord revealed? Verse 2, he went before him like a tender shoot out of dry ground, speaking of the suffering that he had even in growing up. There's a day where Christ says himself, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere even to lay his head. They're very strange individuals. Um, I'm trying to be very charitable here. Um, the, the word of faith teaches prosperity flying high uh, you're an overcomer because Jesus was a high flyer they say Jesus wore designer suits <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's foolish. Foxes have holes. 
Birds have nests. The son of man has nowhere even to lay his head. You do know the great suffering he went through. A man called Philpot uh, describes that journey right from his arrest to his crucifixion. And when you read Philpot on this matter, you, you cannot begin to think, imagine the kind of suffering that Jesus endured. His own creatures spat on him. They ridiculed him. Blindfolded him and told him prophet prophesy who hit you instead of a proper crown for a royalty they picked a crown of thorns and pushed it down his head so that blood gushed out Drove nails right in his hands. Whipped him tied to a pole. 39 lashes I was just saying in our church the other day. The people never some people didn't survive that whipping. I mean it was terrible. It was bad. Bad, terrible. The suffering of the Savior. May have hurt my mouth or something. It's fine. Suffering such as has never been seen before. Not just physical suffering, but Jesus went through emotional, intellectual, psychological suffering as well. We see the deep agony of his heart in John's Gospel, chapter 12. When he says, now is my soul sorrowful even unto death. In other words, the kind of sorrow I carry now is enough to kill me. So we meet him at the Gethsemane when he prays because he's so afraid. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, he was afraid. Your Savior and my Savior was afraid. He prayed so honestly. But the text records that his sweats were like great drops of blood. We didn't understand that until science helped us to understand what was going on. Science tells us there can be such psychological pressure. Such emotional pressure. That your blood begins, I mean your heart begins to pump blood at a very fast rate. Such a rate that your blood vessels cannot contain that kind of pumping. Then blood begins to pour out through the veins and mixes with sweat from the pores of your skin. And what comes out is great drops of blood. That was indicative of the psychological, emotional trauma that he was going through. He suffered. So Jesus himself says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they did this to a wet log, how much more to a dry log? What right have you what right have I to say we cannot suffer suffering is of the devil when our savior suffered 
So consider the Lord's response to this kind of suffering. Consider the Lord's response. Not my will, but your will be done. I would like to be drinking juice now. I would like to be having fried liver. Maybe you know now I like fried liver. But the will of the Lord is that I go through this suffering. And I will submit to God's will. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2, particularly verse 2, for the joy that was set ahead of him, he endured suffering, even suffering on the cross for the joy that was set before him. And then consider the good that comes out of it. Jesus himself says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies and rots, it remains alone. John chapter 12 verse 24. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, it remains alone. But if it falls to the ground, if it dies, if it is buried, it doesn't remain alone. It comes out bountifully. What the Lord is saying is, there is something good that's going to come out of the suffering. Example number four. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. Oh, what a man. What a ministry. What a life. What suffering. This man knows what it is to suffer. He was hated by the Jews as well as the Romans. He was beaten so many times, left for dead, sometimes had to escape through the window. That's not like T.D. Jakes, is it? That's not like Benny Hinn, no? Can you figure that guy escaping through a window? That's Paul. He himself says, through many trials and tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. He had bodily problems as well. You know, we wonder what this thorn in the flesh was all about. There's many interpretations around it. Uh, in his flesh, in his flesh, Second Corinthians 12. In verse 7, it says, To keep me from being conceited. <laughs> to keep me from boasting. Uh-huh. With these surpassingly great revelations, a thorn was given me in my flesh. To keep me from what? From sin, pride, conceit, to keep me from that, I was given a thorn in my flesh. And Paul describes this thorn in his flesh as a messenger of Satan. So Paul understands this is Satan working. But God is behind him. Satan is only an agent. To keep me in the straight and now. Verse 8, 9 and 10 of 2 Corinthians 12. Paul says having made that discovery. That in fact this thorn in my flesh is to keep me from being conceited. I will no longer complain. I will rejoice in my weakness. For when I'm weak, the Lord is made strong. 
It's a very funny story. I mean, it's an episode in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians 4 verse 12. Paul addresses the Galatians and we get the benefit out of that almost off the cuff. He says to them, you Galatians, you know the reason why you had the gospel was because I was sick. So I could not proceed any further with the journey. And for that reason, you had the gospel and you have been saved. Had I been healthy, you would not hear the gospel, you would not be saved. Paul suffered greatly. His response and attitude to that suffering was very positive. The great good that came out of that suffering is one that we enjoy up until now. About half of the New Testament writings comes from Paul. The church planting enterprise of the ancient world right from the Mediterranean basin to the Balkan peninsulas, that known Roman world at that time. Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And have you noticed, ladies and gentlemen, that what God does in the days of suffering, God's, God's work prospers even more. I don't have time. But let me just pull at this in your hearing. What are God's great purposes in suffering? Number one, keep us in constant reminder of the existence of sin in the world and the need for a savior. It is sin that causes suffering suffering will end when sin is eventually done away with. In the interim, we must never forget that there is sin in the world. Number two, to prepare our test for future glory. The greater the darkness, the more you can appreciate the light. The English people have a saying that the more rough the passage, more will be welcome the port. You will appreciate being at the port because the journey was so rough. Our tests are being heightened. Number three, to bring us closer to God. Nothing brings people closer to God than suffering. People pray more through suffering. David says, Lord, do not give me too much lest I forget about it. David says, it was good that I was afflicted. For this was a problem of the Israelites in the wilderness. When they had plenty they grew fat sorry in the land not in the wilderness in the land they grew fat and forgot the Lord number four God's purposes in suffering to show his glory to show his glory in the deliverance of his people watch this mark this through or out of problems. Sometimes God doesn't deliver you out of the problems. Sometimes he delivers you through the problems. There's much to say there. Number five. To sanctify us. 
There is a pruning work going on. What went on in the life of Job? Though he thought he's a good man, <laughs> the suffering revealed things in him. <laughs> revealed things in him. And from chapter 39, Job gets to repent even of his own good works. And God brings him to restoration. To sanctify us. Number six. To bring virtues and spiritual disciplines in our life. Romans chapter 5 verse 2. James chapter 1 from verse 3 onwards. So how do you look at yourself? You see, it makes all the difference, ladies and gentlemen, to just understand that God is sovereign even in my situations. He is sovereign. Then we can worship him in suffering. We can praise him in suffering. We can have peace and confidence through suffering. Amen. Amen.